This morning, we will be in the book of Revelation. It's the last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. That's found on page 1158, 1158 in your Spanish Bibles. And on page 1031 in your English Bibles. As you're finding your place, I was, as I was preparing for this morning, I was remembered of a bit that the comedian Brian Regan does. I don't know if you, how many of you are familiar with Brian Regan. Uh, Brian is famous for having very funny bits, but he's so fu- he's really the funny part about Brian is you, if you listen to it, it's funny, but if you watch it, it's really funny because Brian, he really gets into his comedy and he changes his face and he makes all kinds of weird faces and weird gestures and all these kinds of things to explain what he's talking about. And he has this one bit called the me monster. I don't know if you've seen uh, the me monster, but he tells of a dinner party that he attended where one guy just tells these stories about me and I and 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 me and I. And Brian, kind of getting tired of this me and I type of storyteller, says that he jumps in and tries to tell his own story. But the me monster jumps back with, oh yeah, that's nothing. And begins with a me, I, me, I, me, I, me, I, me, I. And Brian, as he's telling this, and he, like I said, you have to watch it because he gets, and the me monster looks like this, you know, this kind of guy that's like, me, 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 like he does this whole thing. But he asks why people do that. Why, what do they get out of the me, you, me, you, me, you, me? He's like, he's like, people like will just sit there and as soon as and they're waiting for you to stop talking. And as soon as you stop talking, they're like, oh yeah, you, well, what about me? Oh yeah, you, what about me? And he talks about how this, and he under, asks, why do people do that? And he dives even further and he asks, what is it? This is interesting. What is it about the human condition that people get something out of that? What is it about the human condition that people get something out of that? Many people say that our comedians are our last prophetic voice in our, in our society. What is it about the human condition that people get something out of that? Well, maybe you're not a me monster, not always telling stories about yourself or trying to top other people's stories. But maybe you wish you had stories to tell. Maybe you wish you made a name for yourself or hope that one day you'll have made a name for yourself if you're not old enough yet to have made a name for yourself. Or maybe you know you're supposed to be humble, right? And you take pride in your humbleness (laughs) because you've made a name for yourself as being humble. There are all kinds of ways that we can seek to make a name for ourselves that have nothing to do with the ugliness of the me monster. They're good and respectable ways of making a name. And yet, it's still about me and I and me and I and me and I and me and I. It just isn't as annoying (laughs) as the me monster. This morning, we're reminded, maybe confronted for the first time, that it's not about our name that is our priority. 
the name that is to be our priority is the name of our God. And so we go to Revelation chapter 5 to be reminded of this this morning. Revelation 5, 11 through 14, again, 1031 in your English Bibles and 1158 in your Spanish Bibles. This is the Apostle John speaking of the vision that he was given. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this vision that you gave the Apostle John. Lord, of what has come and what is to come. Lord, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, just as you gave your Apostle, that we might know what it is to hallow your name. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the one who is worthy, we pray. Amen. Before I go on, I'll just mention that there is a typo in the bulletin. We're not hallowing, we're not hallowing God's name. We're hallowing God's name. Just, uh, we, I could go either, I could go the backwards way and say, hey, we're not, that's, that's totally my fault. I just, my spell check didn't catch it. And I'm not a very good speller. You can ask my wife. So that's, So last week, we started our new sermon series, Teach Us to Pray. And we began by looking at what we call the Lord's Prayer in its entirety. We looked at the entirety of the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6. And in Luke 11, we took the title of of our series called Teach Us to Pray because Jesus' disciples asked Jesus, said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus instructed them with the Lord's Prayer prayer. He tells them and us to begin by addressing God as Father. And as we talked about last week, that was kind of a a new idea, that God is referred to only 14 times in the Old Testament as Father, and it's always as a corporate entity of Israel. God the Father is always referred, if he's referred to as Father, as the with the corporate entity of Israel. But Jesus is saying that, no, you as an individual, not just as a people, should think of God as Father, should understand Him as a personal individual. And the disciples ask for this instruction, and Jesus says to call God your Father, their Abba, as we talked about, the way in which Jesus tells his disciples and to us to pray is to use this Aramaic word, Abba. And Jesus used this more than 60 times to reference his heavenly Father, our heavenly Father. He's taking the fatherhood of God from, as we talked about last week, from a theological doctrine to a personal 
practical experience. He teaches us to pray with this intimacy of using the word Abba. And as we talked about last week, our Father, our Abba, is almost as if we would be saying our dearest Father, our Papa, our Daddy. Jesus is teaching because your Heavenly Father knows you because he knows you and me, because we can know him as our father, as our papa, as our daddy. We are to pray like this. We are to pray his name, his kingdom, his provision, his forgiveness, his his deliverance. And that's what we're going to look at over the next several weeks is each of those petitions that he calls us, that Jesus calls us to pray to our heavenly father. We look at the first petition this week, hallowed be your name, or holy be your name, or your name is glorious. As we heard in our Old Testament reading today, God's name describes who he is, what he's done, and what he will do. Jesus Jesus teaches that we are to ask that God would honor his name. In praying, hallowed be your name, we are asking that all of creation would recognize and revere his name, revere his holiness. And not just all of creation, but especially the one praying. We are asking God to make his name holy everywhere. Most importantly, in our own heart. When we pray this way, we are making God's holiness our highest priority and asking him to promote his holiness in us, around us, and through us. But in order to hallow God's name, to hallow our Father's name, we have to ask this question, is he worthy? Is he worthy of all of this? A few years ago, Andrew Peterson wrote a song titled, Is He Worthy? You can now hear it on the radio, sung by Chris Tomlin. I personally think Andrew sings it better, but uh, that's besides the point. But in this song, Andrew asks the question, and he goes to our text that we're in this morning, Revelation 5, to get the answer. This is how he wrote the song, beginning with the second verse. Does the Father truly love us? And the chorus in the the background choir sings, he does. Does the Spirit move among us? He does. And does Jesus our Messiah hold forever those he loves? He does. Does our God intend to dwell with us again? He does. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priest to God to reign with his Son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of this? And the resounding response is, he is. He is. That's what we see this morning in our text. Because our God is worthy, we hallow his name when we pray. Because our God is worthy, we hallow his name when we pray. We see that the Father is worthy, we see the Son is worthy, and this worthiness brings about the worthiness of our hallowing. 
First, the Father is worthy in verse 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Who is that who sits on the throne? Well, it doesn't, in this passage, it doesn't particularly point to God the Father as the one sitting on the throne. But if we look back to chapter 4, we see who sits on the throne. In the four living, uh, chapter 4, verse, beginning at verse 8, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And, who, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Him who sits on the throne, that is God the Father. He is worthy because He is holy. He is worthy because He has all power. He is worthy because He is His eternal nature. He is worthy to receive glory and honor and power for, it says in verse 11, you created all things by your will they existed and were created. The Father is worthy of this. Secondly, we see that the Son is worthy. Verses 12 through 14. The Son is identified as the Lamb who was slain. Then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. The Son is worthy because, as we profess, using the words of Philippians 2, He humbled Himself. He suffered by becoming one of us and paid the ultimate price for salvation by willingly going to the cross and experiencing the greatest suffering, the separation from his heavenly father. He was separated and suffered by being separated from the father so that we would never be separated from our Abba, our Papa, our father. And that is why he is worthy, Revelation 5 tells us, because he was the lamb who was slain. His worthiness comes from the work that he has done for you and for me. For the joy set before him, the writer of Hebrews says, the joy set before him was you and me because he had all joy in eternity past. The only joy that was not given to him in eternity past was the salvation of his people through his death and resurrection. He is worthy. He is worthy of this. And we read that he is worth that because he is worthy, he has been then given the name. And so when we hallow the, the name of God, our Father Heart in heaven, hallowed be your name, we are coming to our Heavenly Father as his sons and daughters. But the name that we are hallowing is not just 
God the Father, but we are hallowing the entire Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Son has been given the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that He is God. So the Father is worthy, the Son is worthy. And we'll focus this morning on the worthiness of hallowing. Verses 11 and 13. We see this worthiness of hallowing. The worthiness of hallowing first is that it adores God. It adores the Trinity. It adores the Father. It adores the Son. Halloween is not thanks. Thanks is good and right, but is not adoring and hallowing. We are called to come to God in thanks, with thanksgiving and praise, but Halloween is not thanks. Halloween is being captivated with awe and wonder. As I talked about this morning with our, with our kids, this week at Beautiful Orthodoxy, when uh, Pastor Alex and I had the chance to go and talk about what God has done in our congregation, one of the other presenters was Alan Noble. He's a a sociologist, a professor, forget at what university, but he wrote a disrupt, he wrote disruptive uh, witness. And in his talk, he talked about that we've lost a sense of wonder of God's creation. We've lost a sense of wonder, which has caused our witness in the world to not be the disruptive witness that we are called to have as his people. We've lost this sense of wonder in what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. And he used the example of how we look at what God has done, in, and this is just one example, of creation. And as we have grown, we have learned of ways to explain God's creation, which is right and good. It's good to explore scientifically how things function and how things work and how God has created and all those things. But he said, in that, we have lost a sense of wonder. We have lost a sense of awe. And he used the example of a little child. That when a little child experiences something of God's creation for the first time, it is the most wonderful, sometimes terrifying, sometimes joyful thing that they have ever experienced in their life. I won't embarrass any of my kids specifically, but I remember when our kids were little and the first time they discovered their shadow. It was one of the most amazing things that they had ever experienced. There was great joy. There was great wonder. There was even great fear. <laughs> Why is this thing following me? Do we wonder? Are we in awe of God and His creation like a little child. You know, Jesus says to let the little children come to him, that we must become like a child to enter the kingdom of God. I think part of what Jesus is getting at is that we have to become like a child in our awe and wonder. Our awe and wonder of what God has done and is doing and continues to do, our awe and wonder of the salvation that God has provided for us in Jesus Christ. 
we lose that awe, I think, sometimes. We lose that wonder. Psalm 8 helps us and reminds us of how to wonder at God's creation. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babies and infants. You have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This adoration of God, this adoring God, not only helps to put, give God the proper place, not only helps to, uh, for us to have wonder and awe of who he is, what he's done, but it cages the me monster. It cages the me monster. It takes our focus off of me and I and me and I and puts our focus on the one who deserves it, who is worthy. He is worthy of this. Not only does it adore God, but worthiness of hallowing, but it also is necessary. Our well-being is found in his name. It is necessary because our well-being begins, begins to be found in so many other things. You know, what does this world need? What does this country need? What does anyone in any place need? To, for Jesus to be honored and glorified. Our country's politics, our divisions, racism, confusion, need, all those things have to be come under the lordship and honoring of Jesus Christ because if they don't, they will never cease. What does our world need? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the mighty God, the Prince of peace to bring about his work in his world. What does each of our lives need in our work, in our play, in our family, in our communities, in the ways in which we live our lives? We need Jesus to be exalted in every area. So that's why Jesus says when you pray, Hallowed be thy name. Holy be your name in all spheres of life, in every place and everywhere. Holy be your name because that is all that, that is the, that is, he is who will change all those areas of life to reflect his glory. Also lifts our eyes from ourself building a name for yourself, build up his name. He has given you his name. That's what our lives are. Our lives tend to be building a name for ourselves, but Jesus says it is to build his name. And as you build his name, 
You are filled because he has given his name to you and to me. Jesus says to us, your life now actually has meaning that you've always wanted it to have. Your confidence is not in what others think of you. It's found in the greatness of our Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. In mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says, a proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. It lifts our eyes from ourself to hallow God's name. Paul Tripp goes a little bit deeper, and he, he, he says in one of his uh, emails uh, that I get each and every week, your little world filled with your little plans is not ultimate. Prayer teaches you that there is a greater glory than any glory that you could ever want for yourself. Prayer is meaning to help you remember that the deepest, most important motivation for every person who has ever taken a breath is the awe of God. This deep and abiding recognition of the grandeur and glory of God is meant to shape and direct everything in my life. Everything that I do and every request that I make of God is to be done in recognition that everything exists, including me, for his glory. This reality rips a hole in my heart and exposes what is there. I don't really want to live for a greater glory. What I really want is for the people, places, and things in my life to serve the glory of my comfort and satisfaction. So by hallowing God's name, it lifts our eyes off of ourselves onto him. It reminds us that there is greater good than the people, places, and things in my life that I want to serve me for my glory, for my comfort, for my satisfaction. Finally, hallowing God's name clarifies our loyalty. There is one name above every name. That name is the name of Jesus Christ. Halloween clarifies and reminds us of our loyalty, of whose team we're on. You can't Serve two masters, Jesus says. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you love one and hate the other. You can't serve God and self. You can't exalt God. You can't exalt yourself above God. You can't live without exalting God above yourself. I saw this crazy story that I think kind of illustrates this idea of loyalty. Michael Jordan, for those of you who you know, are under the age of 25, um, Michael Jordan was a great basketball player, uh, an awesome basketball player, played for the Chicago Bulls, um, and now is uh, part owner of the Charlotte Bobcats. But he was going out with the president and COO of the Bobcats, and Jordan asked if he could, he was over at his house and asked if he could borrow a jacket to go out. And he went into the guy's closet, and it was filled with both Nike, which Jordan represents, and Puma products. Nike were given to him largely by Jordan and by uh, uh, the Nike, um, Nike company, and Puma by another player and rep. And Jordan, from the story, grabs all of the Puma stuff out of this guy's closet, takes it into the, into the living room, and starts cutting it up with a knife. 
all over the floor and then throws it away. And as the story goes, Michael Jordan looked at him and said, don't ever let me see you in anything other than Nike. You can't ride the fence. You can't serve two masters. Your heavenly father doesn't want you or me on the fence. He wants to remind us that we are his, and that he is sufficient in all things, that he is worthy. So as we conclude, just a few ways in which to help us understand how to hallow. We've looked at why we need to hallow, but how do we do it? First, become like a child. And children, stay like a child. Kids, don't ever lose the awe and wonder that you have in God's creation, in God's world, in exploring and looking to see what else is out there. Don't ever lose that awe and wonder. There are good reasons to grow up and to get older, but you don't have to lose awe and wonder to grow up. Some of us as adults have forgotten that. That we don't need to lose awe and wonder in order to grow up. Think about what it was like to be in awe as a child if you've begun to forget this awe and wonder. Or if you can't remember, spend time around young kids. Watch them explore creation. That was one of the things I think that was most life-giving to us in our time in Scotland. Is that we were reminded because we were in a new place looking at new parts of God's creation exploring new things that renewed in us a new sense of God's awe, of our awe and wonder of who God is and what he's done. Go to the Psalms. Read aloud the Psalms in prayer. Psalm 8, Psalm 27, Psalm 95, Psalm 98, Psalm 100, Psalm 148, and Psalm 150, and a whole lot of other ones. Use the Psalms as a way to express your awe and wonder, to express how you can hallow God's name. And use the Lord's Prayer as a framework. In each of the petitions, hallow God's name for each petition of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What is it that you are in awe and wonder and see the glory of God in his coming kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? Give us this day our daily bread. How are you in awe and wonder of the provision of God for your daily needs and even the greater needs of our daily spiritual lives? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How are you in awe and wonder of the salvation that has been given to you in Christ Jesus? 
use that as a framework of how to hallow God's name in our lives. Brothers and sisters, because our God is worthy, we hallow his name when we pray. Is he worthy? He is. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you and praise you that you are worthy. We thank you and praise you that, Lord, you have given us life, life in Jesus Christ, where we glory, we're in awe of the works of your hands, of the work of salvation, of the way you work in our lives, in our churches. Lord, we are in awe and wonder. Lord, help us by your Spirit to never lose the awe and wonder of you, our Father, of our great Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit that you have sent to dwell with us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.